They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. My guest today is Jessica Baladat. Jessica is the founder and chief advocate of Feel for Your Life, an online resource for breast health advocacy. When Jessica was 33 years old, she was diagnosed with stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma after discovering a lump while doing a self-breast exam in the shower. She underwent 16 rounds of chemotherapy, a double mastectomy, 24 rounds of radiation, a hysterectomy, and a 10-hour flap reconstruction. She has since celebrated life in remission by helping women advocate for their breast health through her new app, appropriately called Feel for Your Life. Jessica is the first breast cancer patient to create an app that allows women to learn about self-breast exams helps them track and monitor their progress, and allows them to set monthly reminders. When Jessica isn't working on her app, she's spending time with her husband, Neil, and her cats, Shooter and Gabby. In this episode, Jessica will share with us her journey. She will talk to us about medical gaslighting and being your own medical advocate. Obviously, we will speak about her app, her favorite song, find out who has been her salt, and much more. During our conversation, we also touched upon the sexualization of breasts and the medicalization of breasts once somebody is diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, in that moment, and um, that wasn't planned to talk about it, I uh, referred to an image or to several images that I had seen on Instagram about, among others, the medicalization of breasts once somebody is diagnosed with breast cancer. Because it was spontaneous in that moment, I couldn't find the artist of it and I couldn't credit her. So I want to do that now. Um, these images and the text to it was created by artist and illustrator Hazel Mead. And uh, the illustrations were entitled Society's Weird Attitude Towards Boobs. And I highly recommend that you uh, check her out and also start following her on Instagram because she's creating pretty good stuff. So yes, that's that. I'm very happy to start the conversation with Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Well, hey, I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So yeah, let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Jessica? You know, Jessica is... <laughs> it's. Uh, she is someone I am continuously learning more about all the time. Um, on the surface, I am a wife to my husband, Neil. Um, I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. Um, for the longest time, I was just a small town Southern girl with a fairly generic background. I was always the type to play it safe, never really taking risks because I let fear get in my way. But over the past three years, I feel like I've 
physically and mentally transformed into a completely different person because of my breast cancer diagnosis. I now see myself as this ever-evolving woman who is continuously testing limits. I've been known to seek opportunities now where I know someone or something is going to knock me down because the part where I get back up is what I enjoy the most. And I've found uh, over time, especially through cancer, that life on the other side of fear is so exhilarating. Wow. Beautiful. Yes, you, you said it. You are a breast cancer survivor. You went through 16 rounds of chemo, 24 rounds of radiation, a double mastectomy, a hysterectomy, and a 10-hour DIEP flap procedure where fat tissue and bloody vessels were transplanted from the stomach and into your chest wall. You document your journey, if I may say so, on your Instagram account. And I would love if you could tell us your story, Jessica, as much as you feel comfortable with, of course. Sure. So um, my breast cancer story really starts when I'm 18 years old. I had just graduated high school and I was getting ready to start college. I was working two different jobs at the time. And in between jobs, I would come home and take a shower. One was in a restaurant, so I always smelled like food and I just needed to get the smell <laughs> off of me. Um, but I was taking a shower and I accidentally stumbled upon a lump in my breast. And it scared me because I had so much uh, history of cancer on my dad's side of the family. So when I happened to stumble upon this lump, I got really scared. This was uh, before Google was super resourceful. And so I called my mom and we made an appointment for me to see uh, the gynecologist for the first time. And that was quite an experience. Uh, she uh, examined my breast, did a clinical exam. And she's like, oh, you're fine. This is just a cyst. I said, okay, great. You know, and I left. A few months later, I'm walking to class one day and I just noticed my, my breast, it was on my right side in the six o'clock position. I was in a lot of pain and I got to class. I set my books down and I ran to the bathroom and I felt the lump and it just felt more prominent. So right after class, I went to health services on campus and saw the doctor there. She referred me to get um, an ultrasound and the ultrasound confirmed that it was not a cyst, but it was a solid mass. And then I got referred for surgery. I had, um, I had a lumpectomy at 18 years old. They biopsied the lump and they found that it was a benign occurrence uh, called a fibrotinoma. And it's just a hormonally based lump that can form in young women. And that's what I understood it to be and how it was described to me. So it was that experience that got me into the habit of doing monthly self-breast exams. So then, you know, fast forward 15 years later, I am religiously doing self-breast exams every month, coordinating right after my menstrual cycle. And Let's see. Yeah, I, I was 32. I had just turned 33 years old and um, it's 2018. January, I do a self-breast exam, don't find anything. February, I do a self-breast exam, I don't find anything. March, I actually skipped my self-breast exam because I was seeing my practitioner for that month. And I thought, who better than my practitioner to do a clinical exam and, yeah. You know, if she finds anything, surely she'll tell me about it. 
I went to that appointment. My practitioner examined my breasts. She performed a clinical exam and didn't say anything to me about a lump. So then I thought everything's fine. A couple weeks later, I'm taking a shower. It's right after my menstrual cycle. And I'm thinking, you know, I just went to the doctor. I should probably do a self-breast exam, you know, just to stay in the routine. And as I went over my left breast in the three, four o'clock position, I found a lump and I freaked out. I remember sitting down in the shower, trying to take some deep breaths, like, oh my God, this is it. This is cancer. And then I'm like, wait, no, it's not. I just went to the doctor. Surely she would have told me something about this. So I got out of the shower. I Googled my symptoms. I didn't have any dimpling, no puckering, no rash, no discharge, no bleeding. I just had a lump. And I thought, oh, well, if I had cancer, surely I'd have all of these other symptoms too. And it's just a lump. So I'm sure it's just something hormonal. And the doctor didn't tell me anything about it. And then I started thinking more. I was in the best shape of my life. I was working out, you know, five days a week. I could lift weights, run marathons. I was eating well. I was healthy. And then I thought, you know, breast cancer is only on my dad's side of the family. It's not on my mom's side of the family. I'm probably fine. So I ignored the lump for all of those reasons. And then fast forward, you know, that was around Easter of 2018. Went throughout the summer. I'm working a lot. I'm working out. I'm traveling. And I just noticed like I would go on these business trips for work and I would come home and I would feel so tired and I would take these really long naps. And I just thought, wow, being 30 is hard. I'm tired all the time. (laughs) I know, right? I'm so tired. And, uh, I was having to set an alarm after a nap to wake up so I wouldn't sleep the entire day. And so uh, one day I'd slept for a couple of hours. I wake up and I check my phone and I get on Snapchat and I see a Snapchat story of a girl I had met a few months ago. She was um, a year older than I was. And I noticed that she was shaving her head and she was a mutual friend of me and my sister. So I text my sister. I'm like, hey, why is so-and-so shaving her head? And my sister texts me back. She says, oh, she has breast cancer. She's getting ready to start chemotherapy. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to go back to the doctor and get my lump checked out. So I went back to the same clinic, but I saw a different physician and the doctor there, she's going over my breast and she's just kind of nodding her head and just nodding to herself. And I look at her and I'm like, what is it? And she's like, "Uh, get dressed, just get dressed. And um, I'm like, okay. And she leaves the room. She sends in her nurse and the nurse says, I'm going to schedule you for a mammogram. I'm like, wait a second. I have questions. What's going on? Why am I getting referred for a mammogram? What did the doctor say? And the nurse turns around and looks at me and says, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. Wow. I know. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I have questions and I'm not leaving until I can ask. And the nurse said, well, it's going to be a while. The doctor's really busy. And I said, well, I'll wait. And so I waited for about 90 minutes, an hour and a half. And um, during that time, you know, I was on my phone Googling things, which you really shouldn't do, by the way, it'll just scare you. I could hear 
nurses and other people. I could hear the microwave going on and off. I could smell food. I could hear people laughing and talking. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like they're really busy right now, which I'm sure they were, but still, um, I think they were waiting for me to leave and hoping that I would leave. But the doctor came back in and she's like, sorry, um, I hear you have some questions. And I'm like, yeah, was the lump that you felt, was it indicative of cancer? And she's like, all I can tell you is that it's a lump. And that's why I referred you for a mammogram. And I'm like, okay. And then she says something to me that's never been told to me before during an examination. And she looked at me and she's like, can I pray over you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm a person of faith, you know, go ahead. And she prayed over me and I knew it was serious. And then she looked at me and she's like, no matter what happens, God's going to use you through this. And I'm just like, oh God, this must be serious. No one has ever told me this during a doctor's appointment before. You know, I've had the sniffles. I've had UTIs. No one ever tells you God's going to use you through this when you, you know, during these other well, things. <laughs> from, from running away and not telling you anything and then praying over you. That's a I know. Change. Uh, yeah, for sure. It definitely, I don't know if that's how they do things where you are, but that was really foreign to me and unfamiliar to me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple of days later, I went for my mammogram and right after the mammogram, I go into the ultrasound room because they need more imaging. And as the tech is going over the left side of my left breast and over my arms, the doctor's in the room with her and he says, get that lymph node, that big one. And I just sat up immediately. I said, the lymph node. And the doctor looks at me and he's like, look, I've seen this before. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm pretty sure this is cancer. And he's like, meet me at the hospital tomorrow morning. Um, I'm going to do your biopsy. I said, okay, that's cool. But nobody in my family, not even my husband knows where I am or what's going on right now. And so um, I'm going to need your help telling them. And so he had the tech in the room help me call my family. And I didn't tell anybody at the time because I was in the process of losing an aunt to breast cancer. And I just, um, it was breaking my heart having to tell my dad that now not only is your sister dying, but your daughter now has breast cancer. And my husband who is someone who is so optimistic and full of life and happy-go-lucky. Here we were only three years in the, into our marriage, and I was having to tell him, hey, I have cancer, or I probably have cancer. So um, it, was, it was really hard delivering that news. And as you can see, I still get kind of choked up yeah. uh, thinking about that moment. But I had a biopsy. The biopsy confirmed cancer. And then, like you said, I did 16 rounds of chemo, 24 rounds of radiation, a hysterectomy, a double mastectomy, and, and then the 10-hour flap reconstruction. And I still have one more surgery to go here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully, um, I'll be able to put an end to this chapter. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got diagnosed. Yes. And the treatment lasted almost three years, right? The treat I've been through yeah i'm in year three of surgeries and, and treatments so the core part of the treatment i would say was the first nine or ten months the chemo and the radiation and the double mastectomy and then right after that i had the hysterectomy and then i had uh 
because of COVID, I had to wait to have my reconstruction. So I lived life with a flat chest, feeling less feminine in my life, um, struggling to get my clothes to fit, feeling like less of a woman to my husband. You know, it, you know, psychologically really messed with me mm-hmm. because I, I didn't have breasts. And I know that breasts aren't the only thing that make a woman, but, you know, society focuses so much on our feminine, our femininity with our breasts. So, you know, I didn't feel sexy. I felt unlovable. It was just really hard. And at one point, you know, as you know, here I am, I'm bald. My fingernails are destroyed. Um, I have no breasts. And I told my husband, I said, you can cheat on me if you want to, just don't tell me about it. And he's wow. just like, he's just like, that's nonsense. He's like, I'm not, he's like, no, we're, we're in this, you know, together. I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave your side. I said, look, this is not who you married. I'm basically a shell of myself right now. So if you want to leave or if you want out of this, I understand. And, but he, he didn't, you know, he, it hurt his feelings that I said that. And um, because he was, he's like, I'm in it for the long run. You know, this is not going to be our entire lives. You're going to make it, you're going to live and you're going to come out stronger. And, um, you know, he kept me going through that. Yes. I've seen some of those moments. I mean, beautiful moments. I I will say beautiful between the two of you during your, your cancer journey. And, I saw this photo of your wedding ring, right? That you would have to take it off before you go into surgery or treatment. And then once you were coming out again, he would put it back onto your finger, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have to give him all my jewelry. You know, my wedding ring is the last thing I take off before I go back to surgery. I I keep it on to the the last moment um, before having to go back. And he wears it on his pinky finger. And he holds on to it until he's allowed to put it back on me. Sometimes I'm a little swollen after surgery because, you know, anesthesia and fluids and mm-hmm. everything. So we may have to wait a little while. But, um, you know, he puts it back on my finger just like he did the day we got married. Yeah. And Jessica, what kept you going during this very difficult time and still keeps you going? Of course, your husband plays a key role, but share a little bit more with us. Yeah, um, definitely my husband, my faith, my family. You know, I come from four generations of women who have had breast cancer. My great grandmother, my grandmother, five grand aunts and two aunts, and now me. So the way that I see it now, while why I have taken such an aggressive route through breast cancer is that I'm finishing the battle that they started. Mm-hmm. And I want to defeat this. You know, sometimes I say, you know, uh, cancer ran in my family until it ran into me. And, you know, so (laughs) I'm here to finish it, you know. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And you also, you already implied it a bit in, in your story, but I would also like to talk a little bit about medical gaslighting. And being your own medical advocate. And I think this is something that is so important when it comes to a lot of other things related to our body, our well-being. But in your case, of course, it was the breast cancer. 
share with us your your thoughts on that and what you have to say to the listeners because i know you are very 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 um outspoken on that and yeah yeah so um i see medical gaslighting um is an instance of someone like denying invalidating or dismissing your symptoms your ailments or your concerns because they're uncomfortable you know medical gaslighting is about them and it happens when someone tells you that you're too young for a certain diagnosis or it's just hormones or you're just stressed and sometimes a <laughs> practitioner you know will tell you oh hey you just need to lose a little weight and while those things may be true to some extent for a diagnosis and help improve symptoms that you may be having they often come across as dismissive or undermining because you just want you know certain tests performed, you know, you know, certain blood work, maybe a scan just to kind of rule out everything. And then sometimes you have this practitioner who feels pressured by their hospital administration or an insurance company to not run a test yeah. because yeah. they're yeah. more concerned about costs. And, you know, I don't know how it is where you live, how easy it is to just kind of go in and say, Hey, can I get a mammogram? I'm concerned about not easy. cancer. Not easy. No. Yeah. Do you know, like what the standard, the rules are, you know, here they recommend that women 40 and over can get mammograms, but we're seeing more and more women under 40 getting breast cancer. So what's it like for you or where you live? So I have never been informed about it here in the Netherlands mm -hmm. by nobody. I don't know what the procedure is. I mean, I'm also not from here. I, I moved like almost 10 years ago, but I've never been told by anybody. So I have no idea what is the procedure, at what age will they check my breast. I don't know nothing. And the thing is also here, um, because I lived in other countries before where I would have my own gynecologist. So mm -hmm. I could go there. I would get a pap test every six months. So here you get a smear test or pap test every five years. Yeah. It's done by the GP. I do not have my own gynecologist. I will only be referred to a gynecologist if there is some kind of issue or an emergency. So I feel really vulnerable as a woman when it comes to these kind of topics. And um, and I have to say my breast has been examined only twice. Uh, one time was by a gynecologist who is a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. um, and the other time was again in Greece, where I feel that I'm being checked more rigorously yeah um something i've found is that women you know we talk about our menstrual cycles all the time you know with our friends and whatnot but we're not really talking about our breast health yeah. that month, or uh, we're not talking about our breast health that much and while i was going through my second round of chemo and i was coming out to my friends and telling them that i had cancer here i was you know losing my hair and everything I thought, well, my physical appearance is changing. I can't hide under a rock. So um, I'm just going to let everyone know that I have breast cancer. And as I was telling them, I got some of the same questions over and over again. It was like, well, how did you know that you might have breast cancer? And I'm like, well, I, I did a self-breast exam and I found a lump. You're doing your breast exams, right? And they would be like, what? No. And I'm like, oh, no this isn't good. So I knew that there was something that I had to do about it. And I started, you know, feel for your life as a social media project. Yes. You know, sharing and I want to talk about yeah. this now. Yeah. 
And I want to know all about it because as a result of your breast cancer, as a result of these conversations that you just described, you developed an app. You developed an app. The emphasis is on you <laughs> and <laughs> developed an app that I want everybody to download who is listening, which is called Feel for Your Life. And I want you to tell us all about it. Yeah. So like I said, Feel for Your Life started just as a social media project where I was sharing my story and sharing resources um, from different cancer nonprofits, you know, the statistics, genetics, information. I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to be a doctor. So I always have to cite my sources and reference things when I find them. And I was trying to find the materials for doing a self-breast exam because I thought, well, I'm not a doctor, so I need to share this from a credible source. I went to a couple of breast cancer nonprofits here in the U.S. They're really well known. I probably shouldn't name them, but when I reached out to them and I said, hey, can you um, give me some instructions on how to do self-breast exam? I would like to share it on my social media pages. And both of them said, oh, we don't promote self-breast exams because all they do is basically scare women and give them anxiety. And they really don't lead to decreased mortality rates. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I know if you search the hashtag breast cancer on Instagram, you're going to find so many young women who found their lump doing a self-exam or accidentally finding a lump and going to the doctor. And what I found out is that they're using research from almost 20 years ago. Breast cancer treatments have changed over the past 20 years. How can you say that self-exams aren't effective? And my calls, my emails just went unreturned. But wow. then, yeah. And then I discovered the National Breast Cancer Foundation in Dallas, Texas, and they had all kinds of information and great resources for doing self-breast exams. So I started sharing their information. And, you know, for a few years, this was just, you know, a fun little project for me. And then it wasn't until last year after Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I thought, I really want to reach other women. I want to reach more women. I want to tell them about doing self-breast exams and, um, you know, empowering them to be, you know, aware of their breast, their uh, genetic dispositions or their general risks and just giving them that information because women, they're not talking about it. And I wanted to use, I wanted to create an app as a tool to bridge better communication between patients and physicians and to develop better trust and to, um, for women to be their breast health advocates. Because like I said, they were doing, you know, women talk about their menstrual health, but they're not really talking about their breast health as much. Um, so yeah, I wanted to create this app as a resource and I wanted to make it free to use. I didn't want to run any ads on it. I didn't want it to be tacky. I saw some other organizations that had put together apps where you could just, you know, schedule a reminder. And then um, that was basically it. And they gave some instructions, but I wanted to expand upon that. I wanted a woman to be able to set a reminder. I wanted her to be able to track her progress and make note of any changes inside of the app. I wanted her to have resources and questions available to talk to her doctor about And um, I wanted her to have like the best instructions, which I believe come from the National Breast Cancer Foundation. 
So I just wanted to put all of these things together and make it make an easy tool for women to use so that they can feel equipped and empowered to advocate for their breast health. Yes, I downloaded it. Oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> And I thought it's very straightforward. Yeah. It's very, I mean, I haven't looked at everything yet because I also <laughs> wanted first to talk to you to hear more about it. But yeah, I found it really straightforward, really beautifully made, easy to use. Yeah, I think you did a great job. Thank so, you. Uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. And you developed yeah. it yourself, right? Yeah. So I am not really an app developer. I am an advocate who happened to learn how to develop an app. You know, during the pandemic, my friends were baking bread and growing plants, collecting plants. I don't know if people by you were doing the whole plant thing and baking bread during the pandemic. Yes, But yes. yeah, um, I thought, well, I'm going to use some of my downtime and figure out how to create this app. I'm going to, you know, I started consulting, uh, just with people I knew and how to get started in the right direction and learning the things that I needed to learn and what would make it easy and how to really just make the app intuitive and just simple to use. So yeah. Amazing. Just, yeah. And how have, have, how have the reactions been so far? So far for the most part, I've gotten, I've gotten some really great feedback um, from my friends and loved ones, people from all over have reached out to me saying, thank you so much for doing this. You know, this is needed. You know, this is going to help me, you know, be more breast aware. And then those two nonprofits I referenced earlier, there is one in particular, I'm not going to name them, but they're asking like, why are you doing this? You know, you're just going to scare women. And, you know, this is, this is going to hurt women more than it helps. And then as I got to looking into it and digging deeper, you know, um, insurance is privatized here in the United States. And what I found out is that these insurance companies are funding these nonprofits. And so when you have their monetary donations involved, your insurance company really doesn't want you to do self-breast exams because mm -hmm. if you find a lump, you're going to go to the doctor and it's mm -hmm. going to drive up their costs. Well, I should say you might find a lump. You may not find a lump. Talk to your doctor about your risks. That's also why I'm a community ambassador for the National Breast Cancer Foundation, because I just believe in their mission and their values and, and what they promote. And I, I feel like, um, you know, in their mission statement, they say, you know, we're for helping women now. And I just loved that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say, Just for everybody who's listening, I didn't feel scared at all when I downloaded your app. I didn't get paranoid. I just thought it's great that these conversations are happening, that such an app exists, that we are getting more awareness. Because as you said also earlier, mm -hmm. GPs, doctors are also uh, kind of pressured by insurance companies, by yeah. time, by, 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 by statistics, mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. We all know that. But yeah, just for the listeners, I... I thought right. I didn't feel like this, not at all. Just the opposite. It made me right. aware of such a topic that I have breasts and other women have breasts or other people have breasts. Let me rephrase. And um, yeah, we have to, to be aware of it and check them. Sure. Absolutely. I, I agree. You know, that's why I created the app and I, I just, you know, I don't understand why there's so much taboo around women's breasts. Yeah. I'm, Maybe to some degree, some people feel like 
breasts are over-sexualized, but if we're bringing attention to them anyway, let's take care of them also. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, I don't know if I'm going to find it, but, oh yeah, I saw something the other day mm -hmm. called Society's Weird Attitude Towards Boobs. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I will read out a few things. Uh, it was published by a page that I follow called Feminist. And so this person wrote, for instance, exposed female nipples, like on social media, not okay. Exposed male nipples, yeah, sure. Then she also wrote, breastfeeding encouraged to be hidden so no one sees them functioning. Mastectomy, hidden, not talked about. Language changes from tits and boobs to breasts, as it's now a medical object, not a sex object. I thought it was really, yeah, wow. really, really good. Trans yeah. women's boobs, not welcome in the patriarchy. Plastic surgery is shamed, especially in the tabloids. Yet natural boobs are also shamed if they don't meet very specific requirements. I won't read everything out, but these were some of the things that I saw. And I was like, this is so on point. And since we also talk about this, of course, how once you have cancer, your boobs are being called breasts and everything becomes medicalized. It's not yeah. something that you show. It's not something that people want to see. But of course, you do show it. And I will also publish this uh, later on my Instagram when I publish our conversation. And I think what you do is great. Thank you. And thanks for bringing that up. Um, I never thought about how, yeah, we go from calling them boobs to breasts, you know, and they are medicalized. I but you're absolutely right. Um, I know where I was treated. Um, it was a Catholic-based hospital. So, you know, um, very conservative, uh, you know, approach to, to, yeah. um, to things, but um, still it, fantastic care overall. But the more that I think about it, yeah, my body became medicalized for sure. Yeah. It's uh, like, I, I never used the term boobs in front of my oncologist, my male oncologist. It was always, I went, you know, with my husband, it's like, Oh, I got boob cancer, but you know, breast cancer, breast cancer treatment, you know, that sort of thing, you know, my boobs are trying to kill me, um, but, you know, stuff yeah. like that, but yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. Jessica, mm -hmm. what is your favorite book or poem or song? And tell us why, choose one of the three. I'm going to go with favorite song. It's um, a Mariah Carey song that came off of her 1999 album, Rainbow, And it's called Can't Take That Away. And it's a song about rising above adversity, people who try to bring you down, things in life that uh, put you down. It's about rising above all of that. You know, people can try, but they can't take away what you have inside of you. You know, that light, that fire, that passion that you have, no matter what anyone or anything tries to do to you, you can still rise above it. And I was bullied a lot in middle school and high school. And it's um, when I discovered that song when I was in high school, it, uh, it just, it's stuck with me ever since. And I still get teary eyed, you know, when I sing it to myself or I hear it come on or, or I just happen to play it. But that song has gotten me through a lot of tough times. Wow. Thank you. This is a, uh... Yeah, it's very touching. Yeah, for sure. And who has been your soul? Who has inspired you? 
aside from my husband, I would have to say my aunts and my grandmother who had breast cancer before me, my grandmother didn't die of breast cancer, but my two aunts did. And just seeing their uh, tenacity through everything and the way that they handled things and the way that they pushed through and kept going, it was seeing the way they handled their treatments, which helped me stay better informed to take the treatments that I had as well. So I would say them definitely. Yes, your ancestors. Yes, yeah. Yes. And to whom do you want to pass the salt? And what do you have to say to them? You know, this might sound generic, but I want to pass the salt to every woman. And I want them to know that if someone ever tells you that you can't do something or that you won't do something or that you don't know how to do something, the person projecting that shame has no idea what what they're talking about. I just had to edit myself. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. And they're speaking from their own insecurities mm -hmm. and their personal inadequacies. And they don't get to define what you're capable of and don't give them permission to have that power over you. Yes. Yeah. I faced a lot of um, negativity when I was creating my app. You know, I kept it to myself for the most part, but in other areas of my life, especially from males just telling me, oh, you're not going to be able to do that. You can't do that. You don't know how to do that. And I'm thinking maybe right now I don't know how to do it, but I can figure it out and I know I'm capable of learning. So that's what I'd want to say. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And Jessica, you've already asked me a few questions throughout the conversation, but you know, maybe you know, you don't know. I always finish with a question for me because I always ask my, uh, my <laughs> the people that I invite so many questions. So I always want to give the opportunity to also ask me a question. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about mammography and, you know, self-breast exams. And I mean, I mean, since maybe downloading my app or talking to me, what is something that maybe that you've learned that you could tell someone else about being a breast advocate or what is something you've discovered about breast advocacy uh, recently? Yes. Yeah, so for me, I have to say it was always a topic I knew about because there has been, especially the last few years, quite some awareness around it with the pink ribbon with mm -hmm. uh, in October, people having different initiatives on Facebook, on social media. Obviously I, I know people, Uh, who have either died from breast cancer or who have survived it. Also from a very young age, um, a very close friend to my family. She has been through it many times. Oh, She's wow. still alive. She has not only struggled with breast cancer, but with a lot of other things. This woman is like, wow. wow. She's still standing, you know? So it, it was something that I learned about from a really young age, maybe when I was eight or something like this, uh, breast cancer. But I never really made it something very personal to me. I have no idea why. I, I really don't know. And um, the last few years, as I said earlier, I've, um, yeah, I've heard about this topic more. I've seen women in my surrounding, um, yeah, fighting it, surviving it. And 
then the other day I went onto this Instagram page called So Informed because this is where I found you because um, the, the person who runs it, I think once a week, she publishes good news and mm -hmm. she mentioned you in your app. And it's a, it's a, it's a page that has like 3 million followers. And wow. so you got a lot of exposure. And I, <laughs> I was like, who is this woman? I need to find her. I don't know why, because it's not that I was so into breast cancer, you know, as I, as I just said, but something mm -hmm. inside of me from all the news that she shared that day just made me look at your story. And I was like, I need to find her. She developed an app. What is this app about? I need to download it. So, yeah. And then I messaged you right away. And I yeah. said, do you want to speak on Salt? Because I felt, as you said earlier, we don't talk so much about it. We don't know so much about it. I also feel, this is my personal opinion, that I've never been told a lot about it from the doctors. And uh, yeah, so yeah. there's also a personal thing to it. I, I will share it a little bit later today. But yeah, so when it comes to my advocacy now, I want everybody who is listening to this episode to download the app. I will share it with anybody that I come across. Right. Uh, I want to learn how to do a self-exam. It's something that I don't know. So I will use your app for it. And uh, I will also go to my GP and ask or even research, maybe ask friends who are a little bit older than me who have been living here, know more about the country. What is it here? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you check breasts? When do you check them? So, yeah, um, I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I do have another, <laughs> I do have another one. Like, okay. what is something that you wish you would have known younger and just maybe about your health or like women's health in general that you wish that could have helped you then, you know, compared to now. Yeah. I, I wish I would have known much more about my body, not just about my breasts, about my uterus, about my period, about my vagina, mm -hmm. about my rights, about how my body really functions. I wish I would have known much more about sexuality. So what I did actually the other day, because I have three boys and, and a girl. And um, so my daughter was number four and um I actually plan when she reaches a certain age to give her a box with certain items. I'm still collecting them on the way. So one Aww. thing that I did um, from an artist in Canada that I also found on Instagram, uh, she's called Shattering the Ceiling. I bought um, one of her drawings, which is a vagina. And this is something that I want to give her because I want her to know her body and I want her to understand what her body is capable of what her body can do, what are the different functions of, of our organs that we have. Because, and, and there are different reasons to it. It also comes to sexual education, right? That, you know, um, not everybody can touch your body. Um, mm. You are the owner of your body. You, you can make your own decisions. And knowing um, how does our cycle works, you know, and also about our breasts, Oh, that is so awesome. Everything that you just shared, that is really powerful. I love what you're doing for your daughter. I think that's just so amazing. I love it. Yes, yes. And also with my boys, I talk about these topics, you know, because oh, it's great. important. Yes, yeah. yes. It's not just our business. It's everybody's business, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, my answer to your second question. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we are actually at the end of our conversation, but I always honor a woman or many women at the end of my podcast. And today, first of all, I want to honor you, Jessica, for yeah everything 
that you've been through, for everything that you're doing, for coming here and sharing your story and being so open about it with your words, with your photos, with your app, with everything that you do. So I want to honor you and I really want to thank you. And I want to further honor everyone who has survived breast cancer, people who've passed away, like your relatives, the doctors, the researchers, the activists who are at the front line when it comes to finding a cure, improvement of treatment, creating awareness, better health policies. And I also want to honor my cousin Kiki, whom I lost um, this year in February. She was way too young. She didn't die from breast cancer. She just died all in a sudden. Oh. It has been a great loss to us as a family and to the community. And she was an advocate for the cause, a huge advocate. Oh. And every year she ran the Greece race for the cure, which is one of the most popular races for breast cancer awareness worldwide. And um, she was a huge advocate. And maybe that is also something that made me be more aware of, of this topic. So, yes. Wow. wow thank, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And um, I will upload, of course, all your information on my website, on my Instagram. And I want everybody who's listening to download your mm -hmm. app spread the word, talk to your doctors, practitioners, what are our rights, how are things done in your country? And yeah, let us learn more about our bodies and share yeah. this episode on social media so more people can learn about Jessica, her story and her app. For sure. Well, I appreciate you so much and I thank you so much for having me. Like I said, it was an honor to be here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Sagliari and this is Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast.